Today's scripture is Isaiah chapter 55, verses 6 through 9. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. All right. Thank you, Caitlin. Well, hello. Good morning. My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here at Redemption Tucson, and it's good to be here with you all. Good to be back here. I'm going to put my water bottle here, and the I don't know what the over-under is on whether or not I will leave it there the whole time, but uh, I have a little bit of a cough, so um, I went up to Flagstaff, Redemption Flagstaff. I had the, the privilege of getting to go up there and be with them and to preach up there last week, but uh, a couple things. I came back with some kind of a, a flu or something, some kind of sickness. It was cold. Yeah, there was some kind of white substance all over the ground and on the mountains and things. I don't know what all that was. And um, also, you know, Flagstaff, I don't know, incense and the central oils and stuff. So <laughs> I'm going to look. So something, something got me. And, uh, but I'm here. I'm glad to be back here with my Redemption Tucson family. Uh, also, if you're new or you've never heard me preach before, I want to let you know I have a stutter. And that'll come in and out of uh, as I go, as I preach. So I got a cough, a stutter. I don't know. We'll see what else, what else comes up. But uh, again, I'm glad to be here with you. And uh, we get to wrap up our time in Isaiah chapter 55 this morning. So we've been in Isaiah chapters 40 through 55. We've been in a series for the last couple of months. So go ahead and turn with me there. If you have a Bible or an app or something along there, I'd love for you to follow along as we walk through these, these 13 verses together. If you don't have a Bible and you would like one to follow along, which I would encourage, will you hold your hand up and keep it up and somebody will get you one. We'd love for everyone here to have a Bible. Y en español, si quiere la Biblia y no tiene, por favor, levante su mano y diga español. Y si no tiene una Biblia, um, eso es un regalo a usted. Y esta mañana estamos en Isaías. So again, we're in uh, Isaiah chapter 55. And if you don't own a, a Bible, please keep this. This is our gift to you. Okay, we want to make sure, again, everyone has a Bible to follow along with. And over the last few months, we've been walking through this, this series called uh, the Servant King. And as we walked the last couple of weeks, we saw that it's actually this kind of uh, twist in the story that God presents himself and his plan for his suffering people that that he will himself be the suffering servant king and that's what we've seen that 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 that, that Jesus is we again are, are in this this beginning of holy week of of palm sunday Jesus walks into Jerusalem or actually rides into Jerusalem on a donkey, counterintuitively, he's the king and there's pomp and circumstance, but there's also uh, some confusion because he comes humbly. And so we've 
walked through this series in Isaiah that's prepared us, that's, that's hundreds of years before Jesus would come, that's in the Old Testament, but God is laying the foundation for his plan for his people. Again, is to come and to provide for his people who are wandering and struggling and flailing in exile, unreconciled, unreconciled from God, unreconciled to each other, unreconciled to ourselves, unreconciled to the world around us, and that this suffering servant king would come and would take our place. And so as we wrap up this series together this morning, we see the simple message is this, that God says, come to the Lord, seek his ways, and live in peace forever. So as you see there, we have it kind of broken down. This is how we'll walk through it together. Uh, let's go ahead and pray and, and turn together to Isaiah chapter 55. Father, we come before you this morning, as has been said, from all kinds of different places. But we pray, I pray, that the words of my mouth, that the thoughts of our heart, the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Help us to come before you, to hear your call, or to respond to your call to come and to seek and to find life in Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Come to the Lord, beginning in verse 1, Isaiah chapter 55. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk, without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen, Diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Come, come to the Lord. In this first verse, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 1, that word come shows up four times. Come. I was in this this morning. I'm, I'm walking through a, a, a Holy Week devotional, which I'd re recommend. There's, a, there's an app you can find. It's, a, it's just the Bible app, it's called. And, and there's, um, there's a simple, simple devotional, a plan you can walk through for eight days this week during Holy Week. Again, and I didn't even know the phrase Holy Week for many years of my life. Um, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, perhaps like many of us in here, and, and so I, I, this week is significant. So much of the Bible happens in the course of this one week. Again, Jesus enters into Jeru Jerusalem, and it leads up to Jesus dying on a cross on Friday and then raising from the dead on the first day of the week for them, right? It's the last day for us on Sunday, which, again, I had no idea. I always was like, why does it say the first day of the week? That's so weird. It's the end of the weekend, right, for us. But, you know, it was the first day on Sunday Jesus rose from the dead. Well, in this devotional, there's one that walks through eight days, and I just read this morning that in, in John, there's, as Jesus comes, that some people come to him 
It's many people who are marginalized, who are struggling, who are suffering. They come, right? Jesus entered in and people are intrigued and they're wondering. They want to know more and they come. But others stand back and kind of judge and pontificate and kick the can down the road. And and I think many in our day are similar, right? We want to intellectualize and overly um, kind of put up smoke, smoke screens, and ask all kinds of questions, well, once I know this, once I know that. But the simple message this morning is God says, come, come, come to him, come to Jesus, come and find life, simply come. And then in verse two, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. I was talking about this with some others all around redemption, different congregations. We all preach through the same passage each week. And some of us were talking and one person was talking about like, man, I I used to, if I only knew now what I knew then, when back when I had the most, when I was most fit, when I was most athletic, I ate such junk. I ate Cheetos and Taco Bell and right, some of you, I'm looking at you, some of you younger folks, right? Learn, learn from the old dude, right? Uh, you're wasting your health right now. You could jump even higher and run even faster, all right? Kale, <laughs> eat these things. But no, seriously though, like on a spiritual level, so many of us are just either this metaphor is used so often, like eat what nourishes. Don't, don't just, don't, don't settle for junk food. Don't settle for bumper sticker version of Christianity. Uh, eat where, where, where you will find sustenance. This is likely what Jesus had in mind in John chapter six, verse 27 Jesus says, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. Find sustenance. Come to the Lord and find life in him. And his scope is the entire world. Jesus, when he says this, he says, come to him. He's not just speaking to the religious elite. He's not just speaking to the morally upright or those who think we are morally upright, right? He's, he's calling out to everyone. Look in verse 3. He continues, incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples. That's the language is to all the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know and a nation that did not know you shall run to you. Church, let's, uh, let me remind us more and more each week as we hear this, we, we naturally put ourselves in this place and we think that's, that, that we're, we're just somehow uh, n- naturally God's people. Well, throughout so much of the Old Testament, God had one specific people, the Jewish people that he called to be his own, that he, his plan and design was that they would be a light to all the nations 
to the entire world and that the beginning of his, 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 his people, God's people, right, is not just, I'll just say it straight here, right? We don't just kind of kick the can around. It's not white, upper middle class, conservative Americans, all right? It starts in what is now Syria today is where the church began and spread from, right? This is first Jewish people, and yet God's plan all along has been for the entire nations, including, you know, pagan, heathen Europeans, all right? Thank God. His vision is for the entire world and that he w- was, was kind enough to send out missionaries from, again, modern-day Syria and, and, and Turkey and North Africa to come to the ends of the earth. He says, you shall call a nation that you do not know. A nation that did not know your name shall run to you because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. So now this is God is speaking to his servant, again, this suffering servant, and he's saying, my my plan is for the people to simply, what? Come. Come to the Lord. This is good news to all people. Again, especially to the least among us. To those who are poor, who are marginalized, who are wondering, does anyone see me? I don't tend to get a lot of likes on my social media. I, I, I'm, I'm struggling. My, 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 my clothes don't demand attention, or when they do, it's not the kind that I would want. My, my, my place in the, in the high school or middle school cafeteria, my, my, my station in life, my work, where I find myself is, is not at the place that tends to get a lot of recognition. God's message is, come, I see you. I'm inviting you to a feast, not a soup kitchen, not, not the, 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 I grew up really poor. And I remember like, not the, the, the cheese and peanut butter that you get in the welfare line, which was, it was a good day when we got that. I love that stuff. But, but God's message is, no, I'm inviting you to a feast. The, the, to, to, you, get, you get the head of the table at the palace. Come, simply come. And God's message to everyone, rich and poor, wherever we're from, he says, and yet seek my ways. When you come to me, God says, you're going to need to leave some things behind. Okay, pick up with me in verse 7. I'm sorry, verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. There's a sense of urgency, church. All right, I don't know everyone who's here this morning. I don't know your story or why you're here, when you're here. I love it. Every time I drive in, or I don't want to sound more holy and spiritual than I am. Most times when I drive in on Sunday morning, I'll hit pause on the radio or on my phone or whatever's playing music or, you know, whatever kind of sports talk I'm listening to or, you know, wiping my tears because whatever team I'm cheering for lost the night before. Although San Diego State, I'm from San Diego, 
My dad always loved San Diego. I wish he was here still. If some of you know, he passed away a couple of years ago, and I know we would have been talking about the Aztecs. They're in the championship game on Monday. Amazing buzzer beater. Uh, if you didn't see it, go look it up, okay? You'll be excited, all right? So anyway, that's enough sports talk. I'll leave that behind for now, okay? Entertain me. But... um. I don't even know where I was. I lost it. But hey, San Diego State, Aztecs, that's who I'm going for, cheering for. There you go. But there's a sense of urgency. In fact, I didn't even plan on sharing this. I'll share um, within the year that my dad died, um, he, I talk about a sense of urgency. Um, I don't know how everything works exactly. Thankfully, God sees all things. He sees our hearts. He sees our lives, he sees our struggles, our concerns. Uh, my dad, for my whole life, was not a Christian. Um, he was a really great guy, a kind guy. Some of you know my story. He left when I was about five months old, and, um, and he was not perfect by any means. But um, more and more as I get older, and especially since he's d died, I see that even in his brokenness and his sinfulness, um, God was kind. He provided me with a really kind father. He loved me. He kissed me on the cheek. He was a big guy. You wouldn't know that looking at me. He was like six foot two, big guy, construction worker. Um, well, uh, a number of months, maybe six months or so before he died, um, he had told me that he was diagnosed with cancer and, um, and we were talking, he smoked my whole life, most of his life, and uh, ultimately that caught up with him and, and drank heavily and other stuff. And, um, but when he told me, I just said, Dad, can I pray with you? I'd love to pray with you. And I'd prayed with him a ton. Um, pretty much since my time in college, I was involved with a college ministry like many of you who are here, and that was the first time I learned how to share my faith. And I have, one of the first people I shared my faith with was my own dad. I shared with him, and he'd always be, you know, he's again really kind, but it was kind of like, oh, thanks, Dave, you know, cool. And then, it, you know, Thanksgiving or Easter or whatever, he'd be like, uh, what, we should probably pray. Uh, some, Dave, you're the Christian, the token Christian in the family. Can you pray? You know, pray over the meal, and, you know, so we don't choke on it. I don't know. And um, that was most of my life. Like, that was, you know, years and years and years. And finally, as, uh, as death was knocking at my dad's door, and I, I, I prayed for him, um, in the middle of my prayer, he interrupted me. Didn't know etiquette, right? <laughs> no prayer etiquette. Wait, dad, I was still praying. Uh, maybe my stutter tricked him. He just thought I was... But my dad jumped in and just started praying. And with a sense of um, urgency and honesty in a, in a construction worker's language. It, he probably dropped a couple cuss words in there, but he just basically surrendered to the Lord. He said, God, I've been a knucklehead. Uh, I'm sorry. It hasn't been working out for me. Uh, help. And, and I believe God heard that. And his message is simply come and seek him. There's a sense of urgency. Let, let me ask you this morning, what are you waiting for? I don't mean to judge you or to put any pressure on you. It's, up, it's between you and, you and God. But if there's something that you've been waiting for to surrender to him, he's simply calling you to come. He's inviting you to seek him, to find life in him. Look in verse 7. 
Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Forsake your ways. Let the wicked forsake his way, it says in verse 7. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So often we think, again, my dad, so many conversations with him, oh, once I get my house cleaned up, I'll invite God in. Once I, once I kind of kick smoking, once I kick drinking, once I get my language, you know, in order, right? It's like, and God's message is not that. His message is simply, come to me, turn to me, For, forsake your ways. That should be good news and perhaps maybe a strong exhortation. Because some of us, maybe some of us here who are Christians, we keep a couple things in our back pockets. But when God invites us to come, he's not also just kind of Santa Claus or our happy-go-lucky, jolly, you know, grandfather figure that's just got like Werther's in the pocket. And he... He's also, which I can't wait to be that guy, by the way. I'm almost there. I'm getting close. But uh, I don't have any grandkids, or we're not close to that yet. But, uh, but I'm, I'm getting there, right? I'm embracing the old man thing. But God's also strong and firm. He says, if you come to me, forsake your ways. Leave the Cheetos and Taco Bell that is, that is, that is killing you. Come and find life in me. And we don't find it when we hold on to, when we, when we kind of keep one foot out there and, and we try to, try to keep our, our, ourselves safe and secure. We kind of have an exit strategy. God's call is for us to repent, turn, seek him. That word repentance means to turn, to turn from our ways, ourself, where we've been looking for life, where we've been looking for sustenance, and then to turn to him, to find life in him, to surrender to him, to be poor in spirit means to come and to say, I have nothing. I'm poor. I'm impoverished. I'm a beggar looking for bread. And God says, I have bread and I have steak. Sorry if you're vegan. It's a vegetarian. I have, I don't know, what's the, um, some meat substitute. I have, I have good, rich food. Come and eat. Find life in me. Seek me. And God's message is not, and I'll accept you and I'll tolerate you, but what is it? In verse 7, for he will abundantly pardon. You and me go, you and I, <laughs> you and me, we go from enemies to children. As I said, imagine this, right? God's inviting you to a meal. 
Have you ever experienced this where you, someone invites you over to maybe again, you're in the cafeteria and you finally get invited to the cool table, right? Never happened to me, but you, you can imagine, right? You get invited to this table and, and most of us think of God in this kind of way where it's like, oh yeah, I sit down there at the end of the table and you're kind of there and you're like, man, I hope I don't spill on myself. And you know, and you, you're like wondering when to offer something into the conversation because you might get, you know, and then you, you hope it's not the time where someone's like, oh yeah, whatever, cool, and moves on, right? But, but no, God says, no, listen, you get a place right here next to me. You, you get a place, I, I will abundantly pardon you. I will lavish my, my love and my affection on you. Here, you get, you get the first cut. You get the first plate. Come to the Lord. Seek his ways and live in peace. Pick up with me in verse 10. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God's word, specifically the Bible, his word, there's language there of nourishing, right? I joked about, you know, Flagstaff and snow, snow on the ground and things like that. His word is like water, is like snow. There is life everywhere. You see trees in Flagstaff, you see flowers, right? There's life here too. You can see after all the rain that we've got, it's been such a wet winter, right? You see these beautiful wild desert flowers popping up, different, different colors. It's there. It's beautiful if you look, look for, for it, right? Remember it. Take a little mental snapshot so in June we can remember the beauty, right? But it, it, like water nourishes. God's word is meant to nourish his people, God's word, the Bible, and God's promises. More broadly, more specifically here to people in Isaiah, God is saying, my word is going to sustain you, right? We've talked about this over the last couple of months. God's people are, are on the front end of suffering. And God's word in Isaiah is a, a prophecy, is a promise while you're in exile, while you are unreconciled, while you are suffering, my word will sustain you. I have plans for you. I have promises for you that you will live in peace forever. God's message to his people then and to you and me today is to come to him, to forsake our ways, to seek his ways and to find life in him, to find peace. Again, I've been through, throwing shade at Flagstaff, right? Peace, right? We think of peace, hippie, just kind of, oh, peace, you know, whatever. I was actually at a quince last night, a quinceanera. 
Herda. Sorry, uh, Snutter catches up with me more. And it was, uh, it was, it was fun. And, and, and during that time, someone said they had a passing of the peace. There was that kind of a message and a blessing, and there was a passing of the peace. And I noticed a bunch of people were doing this to each other. Peace, peace, right? Peace, peace. And we don't do that, I think, during our passing of the peace here, right? Just throwing up peace, you know, abuses. You want to be cool, you flip it that way. Um, you know, and, and yet peace is not, um, is not that. It's not just kind of a trite, dismissive, oh, you know, peace, whatever. Peace in the biblical language is, is a word shalom. It's, it's full, it, that's the, the Hebrew. It's full, comprehensive life, the way it ought to be. What, what aspect of your life, even this week, what aspect of the world Right? We've, we've, we've read news, we've seen headlines, maybe on our drive-in, maybe in our own cars, in our own households. Life is not the way it should be. Our health, our relationships, our jobs, it's not the way it should be. But God's promise is that if we come to him, if we seek his ways, we respond to his call, he will bring everlasting peace. Look in these last verses of this whole series that we're in together in verse 12. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in what? Peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. In conclusion of this whole series, this whole Hebrew poem that we've been walking through for about 15 or so chapters of Isaiah, this Old Testament poetry is calling out here. God is, is forming a singing people. In a moment when we respond, we sing. Right? Some of us might think that's kind of weird. We're like, I'm not really a singer. I don't do that. But we, we, again, we cheer for something, right? We cheer for sports. We cheer at, I don't know, the symphony. Or it, it, we cheer when the stock market does what we want it to do. We, we have this in us. We all, because we're made in God's image, we rejoice when things are good. And God is forming a singing people. So I will invite you, invite us, when we sing, to sing joyfully. Make a joyful noise. It doesn't need to be a good noise, right? I make a lot of noise when I sing up here. I, maybe that's why the front rows are typically kind of empty because I'm making some kind of noise. It's joyful. It might not be good, right? But we, we sing. And God says even the trees and the mountains sing. God is painting a picture of what is to come that when he does his work, when the suffering servant king comes and lays down his life, takes on the burdens of all his people who have wandered and strayed away from him, and then calls us to himself and says, enter into my peace. Even the, 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 the trees that, where there have been thorns, right, and spines, we know something about that here in the desert. Well, th those kinds of things will be turned to, to trees that will, that will like cypress and myrtle. 
They will bring life. And God says it's an everlasting promise that will not get cut off. Church, when God makes a promise, we can take it to the bank. Jesus proved that when he died on the cross and then he rose from the dead. He proved that no matter what our circumstances look like, when he says it will, there will be victory, there will be life, look to the cross. Remember that while there is death, while there is suffering, there is ultimately victory. So now, church, to close out our time, I want to um, kind of invite you to, I don't know, story time with Pastor Dave. Um, I'm going to share a, a quote from a book. Um, J.R. Tolkien, the author J.R. Tolkien, wrote a, a, the, a, a series, the Elves are my, my worst, the Lord of the Rings. And uh, in his last book, The Turn of the King. Notice I'm mentioning book because it's not in the mo movies. That's where, who's the guy, Peter or something, the, um, the director, he dropped the, what's his name? Peter Jackson. Great movies, except for this. He failed. He didn't ask for my in insight. Left out, I think, the best part, the scouring of the Shire, the last part, the picture of redemption, the picture of the end of the story. If you read the Bible and you don't get to Revelation, it's, 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 it's empty. It's, it's confusing. The end of the story matters. Well, thankfully, you're not just left with Peter Jackson, but I will take you back to what J.R. Tolkien intended. Read with me here as we get a picture of this comprehensive peace that lasts forever. The trees were the worst loss and damage, the result of rebellion, of the world not the way it should be. They had been cut down recklessly far and wide over the Shire. And Sam grieved over this more than anything else. So Sam planted saplings in all the places where specially beautiful or beloved trees had been destroyed. Spring surpassed his wildest hope. This is Easter. This is the season we're in. His trees began to sprout and grow as if time was in a hurry and wished to make one year do for 20. In the party field, a beautiful young sapling leaped up. It had silver bark and long leaves and burst into golden flowers in April. Not only was there wonderful sunshine and delicious rain in due times and perfect in measures, but there seemed something more, an air of richness and growth and a gleam of a beauty beyond that of mortal summers that flicker and pass upon this middle earth. Church, the reality of sin, of our rebellion and turning away from God is that things are not the way they should be. Individually, interpersonally, physically, emotionally, mentally, in the world around us. But God's message is that is not the end of the story. The simple call of the gospel 
the good news is come to the Lord, seek his ways, and live in rich, full, comprehensive peace forever. Let's pray together. Lord, we do come before you individually and collectively right now. Um, I pray that by your spirit, you lead us to respond to you. Lord, I pray that some here this morning, by your call, will sense the urgency while there's yet time, or they will come to you. They will turn their eyes and see your goodness and your kindness. They will see that you are calling them to forsake their ways and to respond in faith and trust and repentance. And that your, your beauty and your kindness and your good news is that you will pardon, you will accept, you will forgive abundantly. Lord, for all of us, I pray that we will join the trees and the mountains and that we will sing with rejoicing and gladness and triumph. Lord, that you have won, that thorns and thistles turn to beautiful, life-giving, peace-filled joy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.